0: welcome to the anointed teaching preached at church 316 the youth arm of the fountain of life church we hope that you be blessed as you listen to this message
1: yes help me tell your neighbor good morning and happy easter you know i imagine that you know we celebrate christmas with a lot of enjoyment some people just for the chicken and the food but well, yeah, some people for what it means. But I feel like for Christians, Easter is the most significant celebration, and here is why. Imagine if Jesus was born and he refused to die. When people were saying crucify him, he said, yeah, "Crucify him? Oh yeah, now come and die for yourself." Or imagine if he died and he did not resurrect. First of all, it means like, it means that somebody like me will be a professional abattoir. <laughs> because you have to be bringing PG. You, you look at your neighbor lustfully, you bring PG. You abuse your neighbor, you bring PG. At the end of the year, you bring ram. The good side is that I will have meat in my house always. Because the Bible says that the priest should take a portion. So me, I'll just be eating lamb chops. Barbecue, spare ribs. That's how I'll just be enjoying. But some people, they'll be in trouble because Shakpa is your friend. So you cannot buy Pigeon. But thank God for the gift of salvation. Thank God that you and I don't have to look for animals to sacrifice. You and I can work in the liberty that the death and the resurrection of Christ has come to rot for us. And that's why I believe that celebration of Easter is not just a celebration of Jesus being alive. It's the celebration of you and I being alive. Please open your Bibles with me to Ephesians. I'll try and read through quickly. Um, Just mention some scriptures so that we can go home and do a study because it's also communion service. Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 9. If anyone is there with the amplified version if you can read it, it would be great. Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 9. Okay. Ephesians 2 says, And you, he made alive when you were spiritually dead and separated from him because of your transgressions and sins in which you once worked. You were following the ways of this world, influenced by this present age, and in accordance with the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit who is now at work in the disobedient, the unbelieving, who fight against the purposes of God. Among these unbelievers, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, our body governed by sinful self, Indulging the desires of human nature without the Holy Spirit and the impulses of the sinful mind we were by nature children under the sentence of God's wrath just like the rest of mankind but God being so very rich in mercy because of his great and wonderful love with which he loved us even when we were spiritually dead and separated because of our, from him because of our sins. He made us spiritually alive together with Christ. For by this grace is undeserved favor and mercy. You have been saved from God's judgment. And he raised us up together with him when we believed. And seated us with him in heavenly places because we are in Christ Jesus and he did this so that in the ages to come he might clearly show the immeasurable and some past riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus by providing for our redemption for it is by grace God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ that you have been saved Actually delivered from judgment and giving eternal life through faith faith and this salvation is not of yourself not your own effort it is the undeserved gracious gift of God not as a result of your works not nor your attempt to keep the law so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. I guess when you read it, the first thing that comes to your mind is, so when did I die? Right? Or when did I sin? Especially for some of us that were brought up in church, and we were brought up with the do not, do not this one, do not that one, do not, do not. So in your mind, you know the do not. You have never stolen before. You have never converted your neighbor's property. What are, what are the other do nots? The Ten Commandments. You have never lied before even though that might be a lie in itself, but let's just believe you, you have never lied before you know, you've obeyed all those do not, so the question then is I've never sinned technically, so when did I sin, when did I die, hallelujah your sin was imputed on you you know the way some lecturers will come to class and they will just fail everybody and they will not ask for your name, it's only Nigeria, if you study abroad, apologies you don't know what we're talking about yeah, you can never understand, may you never understand it in Jesus name but yeah, the, the lecturer will just wake up on the wrong side of the bed and just, just because that I can just show you that I pass you, yeah or say if you don't buy my hand out, you won't pass hand out that is let me know, let's, let's be focused let's be focused, so when did we sin, right when did we die that happened in Genesis you see, the story of Esther is not just that Jesus came to make bad people good. It's more that he came to make dead people alive. There are a lot of people that are walking dead. They are dead, but they are alive. Right? But Jesus has come so that you and I can indeed be alive. So when did we die? We died in Genesis 2, verses 16. When God gave Adam a simple instruction... Do not, It didn't even give him, at least we have 10 commandments plus extra. You know, 10 commandments is not only 10 commandments. There are 613 commandments. So, in case you think that you have passed 10, 10 over 613 is what? F9. Uh-huh. So, if you check it, actually, the Leviticus, they are 613. They call them Torahs, right? But God just now summarized, gave us 10. So, when did you and I sin? God did not give. I need to have a conversation with Adam when I get to heaven. Right? And Eve too. Before you say it's Eve that ate the apple. Uh, but Adam collected it from Michael. I could have said no. But I need to see both of them. God gave him one. One. Not two. Just one. Do not eat from this tree. The day you eat it, you will die. You see, the problem is that sense will not kill you. We will not be asking, will I really die? I Abby mean, it's like, I will not really die. Because that's what, that's what the devil suggested to Eve. I said, maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. I even test them first. Maybe I will die, Abby, I will not die. Uh-huh. So in Adam, we all sin. So God gave him an instruction do not eat from this tree, because if you eat from it, you will die. Romans says that the wages of sin is death, right? i be it. It was not a physical kind of death. It was a spiritual kind of death. Please open your Bibles with me to Romans five. If someone is there, please read message translation. Romans five verse 12. Someone else, please open with me to 1 Corinthians 15 verse 22 and Romans six verses 23. I give all the scriptures so that you can go back home, read it, and be able to defend your faith. Right. Anybody? Romans 5. Yes, please.
2: Therefore, just as though one man's sin yes. entered the world, yes. and death through sin. Oh, message. Sorry.
1: Message, please.
2: Yeah, you know the story of Adam landed us in the dilemma we are in first. Sin. Than death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. Sorry, pause a bit. It says no
1: one, even if your father is Archbishop John Paul. I hope there's nobody like that. In case, it says no one is exempted. Once you are born, you are a partaker
2: of that. Please continue. That sin disturbed relations with God in everything and everyone. But the extent of the disturbance was not clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses.
1: Okay, pause. We're coming, we're, we're together, we're going together. So in Adam, you and I sinned. Now, Adam did not understand the consequences of that sin. Right? Because God never even cursed Adam. God cursed the ground for Adam's sake. Right? Is in your Bible, true or false? Right, So, Adam did not know the consequence or the extent of the consequence of that impact. The only thing he felt was that God chased them out of the garden. Right? Now, when Adam sinned, not only was he separated from God, because man is a spirit that lives in the body and he has a soul, man automatically died spiritually. But man was still alive physically. And then we notice that in Genesis 2... The first physical death occurred in place of man. What did God do? He slaughtered an animal and he used it to cover man. So that was the first time you find death in the Bible, which was a consequence of sin. So either two, no animal had ever been recorded that was killed. But because man sinned, God killed the animal to cover man. Now man was covered, God then began to make attempts to relate with man, but because sense is too much. When God related with Abraham, he said, God, I shall pass you. He went off of Ishmael. Ishmael, in the Middle East, we are still having the problem till today. God left Adam, went to Noah. Noah, you would think that God's wrath was satisfied that he had wiped the entire earth and he was starting with a new generation new generation decided to be drunk and as he was drunk, new generation decided to look at the drunkenness of his father new generation decided to curse the son and brought God back to square one so God said, it's like you people stubbornness will not kill you, because think about it, when Adam was in the garden of Eden, before he ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, even if he did evil, it was not imputed to him Think about it. The eating of the knowledge of good and evil was what started to separate things. So before, when you see a lion, if he says lion, whether the lion is a bat, the moment he says lion, the lion became lion. So whatever he did was not construed as bad. Because but the moment he ate the food, there was a demarcation. And God, in trying to restore man to him, said... It's like, if I leave you, even though you have ate the, the, the tree of evil and good sense, is still not there, you, evil, you will still do it. Then the law came. So, the purpose of the law was to expose the consequences of sin, not to redeem man. Because, think about it James 1 says, 20 or 2 20 says that if you disobey one of those instructions. 613 He says you have disobeyed all of them That tells you that it is Absolutely impossible For you and I To meet those standards But because God wants you To appreciate the ultimate Gift that we are celebrating today He lets you know The consequences of what you will have done Because if the purpose of a thing Is not known Abuse is inevitable You and I will take Easter for granted if we don't know what it would have cost us.
2: Please continue reading. So death, this huge abyss separating us from God, dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. Even those who didn't sin precisely as Adam did by disobeying a specific command of God still had to experience this termination of life. This separation from God. But Adam who got us into this also points ahead to the one who will get us out of it.
1: Hallelujah. So Adam that got us in points us ahead. I'm showing you how we got to where we are, where, where we are. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 15 says, for just as in Adam all sinned, so also in Christ all have been made alive. So in Adam, you and I sinned. And then God brought the law, 613 of them, to tell us how we should ideally behave and the consequences of our disobedience and the blessings, if you read Deuteronomy 28, that accrues when you obey. But I think Jesus even came to make it worse. Let me tell you how. He says that I did not come to abolish the law. He says that I came to perfect it. Now before we go to Jesus... When God saw that man was blessed, he said, okay, let me pick a people for myself. You see, if that agenda had not transcended to Jesus, you and I cannot lay hold on any promise. Who is an Israelite here? You are a Jew by birth. So you see that when God set the plan in motion, the commandment to show the consequence of sin and the, the blessings that accrued, was given to who? To the Israelites. The Gentiles were not included. So you and I did not have a part in God. It was just the Israelites. Right? Are we together? Don't, I'll leave it up for question and answer so that we can. Okay, so you and I did not have a part in it. But then, God being so rich in mercy like we read, decided to engraft you and I in therein comes Jesus. So God said, you see, man, I've not found any man. Even David, that he said, I found after my own art. Last, last, David will sleep with somebody and kill the person's husband. God said, he was safe. He said, God even said, in fact, you cannot even build me a temple. That's what God said to David. He said, you can't build me a temple because your hand is sold. So God saw the imperfection of man and then said, I will come down as God to redeem man because the initial plan of God was not that man would be spiritually dead. We became spiritually dead by virtue of our actions through Adam. So God being merciful decided to restore you and I back to him and then came Jesus. And Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law. He said, I have come to what? Fulfill it. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew 15, he said, if you look at your brother, You know, 613 said, you have to sleep with them to commit the sin. Now, Jesus said, don't even sleep. Just look and say, oh, Bumiz has beer, beer. Is it not in your Bible? Is it Matthew? That if you just look lustfully, you have already done it. So Jesus came to add to it to say that sin is not only your action." Your motivation, the condition of your heart is sin. And then Jesus came and said, okay, so I have to pay the price because the condition of your heart will never make it possible for you to not sin. So he then came and said, I'm going to restore man. And that's why Jesus was born. And that's why he was without sin. But on Thursday before Good Friday he broke bread and that's why we are breaking bread. You see the significance of the the communion is not that he has any power in itself but as what he reminds you of. So on Thursday before Good Friday before Jesus was actually going to die and redeem you and I back to him, he then took bread. I'm summarizing because of my time but I'll give you all the scriptural references. He then took bread and said break it What that means is I am exchanging my body for your body. So your sin, the same way we all sinned in Adam, we all now sinned into Jesus. Right? And that's why on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Before then, he never said that because before then, there was no demarcation or differentiation between God and Jesus. God the Father and Jesus, even though Jesus was on earth. But for the first time, we find a distance between the father and the son. Why? He took on the sin of you and I. Why did God bring Jesus into the play and why does the sacrifice of Jesus become more significant than you and I bringing goats and ram every time aside from the fact that some people will financially never be able to afford it Jesus Christ became the once and for all sacrifice in that John 1 said in the beginning God if you read Exodus 33 whenever whatever they were to sacrifice for the redemption of their sin is always a year old right that was the animal a year old spotless animal so that your sins are only forgiven for one year because priest must chop so next year you bring another that was not in the bible though that priest must chop next year you bring another one year old but this time around so that you and I, our redemption can be complete. And so that you and I can work in the finished work of Christ. And devil has no way to lay hold on anything that pertains to you. God brought a lamb that was ageless. Why? In the beginning, John 1 said he was. So when Jesus died at the age of 33, he was not a 33-year-old lamb that died to save you for 33 years. It was an ageless lamb that died to save you and I. And that's why God... God now says, now he is the mediator of the new covenant. He not only died, he is now interceding for you and I with the father. And when the devil brings an accusation against you, I say, "Uh -uh, didn't you see Bola? Bola slept with Bambo yesterday. Jesus said, no, I stand in the gap. I paid Bambo and Bola's price. So that in me, Bambo and Bola can find redemption. And the accuser of the brethren can have no hold over them. So you and I are redeemed by an ageless lamb. However, it's not a right for us to continue to sin. But it is to give you an i boldness that anything that cannot be found in Christ cannot be found in me. It's to give an, you and I boldness that Christ has perfected and finished the work. Nothing needs to be added to it. When Jesus died, he said it is finished. It's finished. It, well, I, I was listening to a man that said it's called telester. That's what it's called. And he was trying to explain it that it means that the price has been fully paid. It means in business that, what's it called now? Let me find him. It means that the judgment has been served for justice and it means that um, the debt has been fully paid. So Jesus died to pay the price so that you and I, you and I don't have to ever pay that price again. You and I don't have to ever pay that price again. You and I can then boldly come into the throne of God so that we can obtain mercy. Please open your Bibles with me to Ephesians 5. When you open to Ephesians 5, somebody else please help me open to Romans 6. Romans 6, 3 to 12. Please let's read that from the amplified. If you are in Romans, let's read Romans first. Romans 3 verses 6. Romans 6, sorry, verses 3 to 12.
3: Christ were baptized into his death we have therefore been buried with him through baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory and power of the father we too might walk habitually in newness of life abandon our old ways for if we have become one with him permanently united in the likeness of his death it will also certainly be the one be one with him and share fully in the likeness of his resurrection. We know that our old self, our human nature, without the holy spirit, was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For the person who has died with Christ has been free from the power of sin. Now If we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live together with Him because we know the self evident truth that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has power over
1: Him. Hallelujah. So Jesus died once and for all. Death was no longer has power power over him now if you are in Christ Jesus if death has no power over Christ can death has can death have any power over you it means that by virtue of resurrection everything that is dead in your life that is of God will begin to come alive because that is the story of resurrection it means that dead giftings dead gifts dead visions they can begin to come alive. Because that's what Jesus came to pay the price. Such that death, even physical death, actually has no power over you. First Corinthians 15. Because it says that if there is no resurrection of the dead, then it says all of this, our pursuit is futile. So even physical death has no power over you. So how did we sin? We sin in Adam. And some of us have sinned individually. And the wages of that sin or the consequence of that sin... Is death but Christ came to unite even the people that God did not intentionally have a plan for that were not Israelites. he came you remember that one of the first miracles of Jesus where he said that I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel that was when someone was asking him for a miracle and she had to say oh even the dog eats the crumbs from the, um, the master's table Right? So it means that if Jesus did not die, you and I cannot even get healing. Those things that we lay hold on is because we have been grafted in. Please open your Bibles with me to Ephesians. Okay, I'm trying to rush. Ephesians. Ephesians 2. One second. Verses 11 to 19. Amplified, I'm reading. Therefore, remember that at one time, You Gentiles by birth were called on circumcision by those who call themselves circumcision itself a mere mark which is made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from any relationship with him, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise with no share in the sacred mezanic meso- promise and without knowledge of God's agreement having no hope in his, pr- in his promise and living in the world without God but now somebody say but now but now at this very moment in Christ Jesus, you who once were so very far away from God have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. For he himself is your peace and our bond of unity. He will make both groups, Jews and Gentiles, into one body and broke down the barrier and dividing war of spiritual antagonism between us by abolishing in his own crucified flesh The hostility caused by the law with its commandments contained in ordinance which he satisfied so that in himself he might make the two into one new man thereby establishing peace and that he might reconcile them both Jews and Gentile united in one body to God through the cross thereby putting to death the hostility. So you and I can lay out of those promises because Jesus came to break the divide. Either till the death of Christ, either to Easter, you cannot say Abraham's blessings are yours. How? Either to Easter, you did not even know God. You know there's a difference between when you know something and when you don't use it. They didn't even know the commandments. But you and I now have this new hope in Christ. So I guess the next question is, so what are the benefits that the death and the resurrection of Christ has come to get us, right? I'm going to read a few and then open up the mic. Um, So some of the benefits. Um, Romans 6, verses 7 says... For the, I encourage us to read Romans. The book of Romans and Ephesians explain more of this story. It's more detailed. Romans 6 verse 7 says, For the person who has died with Christ has been freed from the power of sin. So one of the benefits of this death and resurrection is that you and I are free from the power and the punishment of sin. Please open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians 15 someone is there, please just help me really quick. 1 Corinthians 15, 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and powerless, mere delusion. You are still in your sins and under the control and penalty of sin. So because Christ has been raised, the devil has no accusation against you. You have been redeemed from the punishment and the power of sin. So when you hear Christians say, I can't stop doing it, it's because you don't want to. The Bible says that, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? It means that there is an abounding grace to overcome sin. If If you inverse that scripture, shall you continue in sin that grace may abound? It means that there is grace for sin. And there's grace to overcome the sin. So the only reason you are still struggling is either you have refused to use the grace. Remember like we read earlier, you did not attain salvation in your power. So you cannot overcome sin either in your power. But you know one thing that the devil thrives in? He thrives in secrecy. So nobody sees I'm doing it. Nobody knows I'm masturbating. You assume that even God does not know about it. But the moment you expose it and ask God for help, you are able to overcome it. Why? According to scriptures, once you accept Christ, sin has no power, has no authority over you. So you and I have the ability to live above it. The benefits of Esther. You and I now have access to God. I'll just read out the scriptures. You and I now have access to God. That's in Colossians one verses twenty. You and I are now have now become alive to God. That's in Romans six verses eleven. You can write the scriptures down. Get home and read it. So that when the devil brings any accusation against him, you know who you are in Christ Jesus. You know what the finished work of Christ has wrought for you. You and I now have access to God. Romans Colossians 1 verse 20. You and I have now become alive to God. Romans 6 verses 11. You and I are now sons of God. Bible says we are joint heir with Christ. Romans 8 verses 14. Like choir said, there are certain things that we never have to beg for because you are a son. But if a son does not know that he's a son, he will continue to behave like a slave. And that's why Ecclesiastes 7 says, it says, I have seen a mystery under heaven. He says, I have seen sons walking as slaves and I've seen slaves rising on horses like kings. Why? The, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So if you don't know what the death and the resurrection of Christ has done for you, you will walk around aimlessly. And then the devil would cheat us. Because you don't know what you have. You and I have now become sons. Romans 8 verses 14. You and I have eternal life in Christ. You and I now have an intercessor and an advocate with the Father. That's in Romans 8 verses 34. It's also in Hebrews 7 verses 25 that says that we now have an high priest with the Father. It's also in John 2 verse 1. You and I have now become candidates and conduits of signs and wonders. Mark 16 verses 7 and 8. It says, now you go in my name. It says, now signs and wonders will follow them that believe by virtue of the finished work of Christ. So blessings and miracles does not just happen to you. I think that's the part of Christianity that grieves me enough, a lot. Where we have Christians just wanting to be recipients of miracles. Forgetting that we are in the era where you are not just a recipient, you are a conduit of miracles. You know the difference between a recipient? A recipient has just enough to satisfy himself. When you become a conduit, you are dispensing miracles. That's who you are what the death of Christ has come to make you and I, we are now joined here scripture says that everywhere Jesus went he was doing good, you and I have the capacity for good because you and I are now joined here you and I now have access to God so you see someone that is lame you are bold enough to say a prayer and you say what if the person does not get what if as you pray for the person God shows up and the person gets healed but you never know because you never try the benefits of salvation. That everything that Jesus did, he said that you and I will do greater works. I want you to ask your neighbor, how much greater than Jesus have you been doing? Should we wait for the answer? It's time that we move away from coming to say, God bless me, pray for me, help me. No, 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 no. You become the help, become the answer to people's prayer. You walk into your office, let them know that there's a walking miracle here. When there's a problem they don't know who to solve it, they should find you while you are a Christian. It's high time that we know who we are and begin to walk like who we are. If I give you a million dollars and you come to church tomorrow and you're still begging for money if I don't slap you, I will collect my money back. Because something is fundamentally wrong with you. And that's the way I believe God is looking at us in Because it looks like we are making a mess of what he has done for us. He has given you power. He has given you authority. And then you are still praying to him and he's wondering, so that I will come and help you. You tell me you are hungry. I give you a plate of food. And you are looking at me. I'm still hungry. In today's palace, I'll say, show on why i <laughs> Because it's like something's wrong. There's food in front of you. But you're not eating it. It's time that we begin to take this Christianity and the things that God has given us serious, and tell the devil, "No, not in my home." They say sickness is ravaging, not in my home. There is no money, not in my house. It's not in my lineage. There are some things that you will decide that is not in my lineage. My father may have accepted it, but not me. The finished work of Christ that you and I now have access to everything that God has access to. Another thing that you and I have by virtue of Easter is that you and I have power. Jesus said that all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I checked the definition of that power. It's not dunamis. it's exosia. It means a conferred power, delegated power, it refers to the authority that God has given to his saints, authorizing them to act to the extent that they are guided by faith in his revealed word. You and I have exosia. We did not work for that power, but we have it anyway. It's like an ambassador of a country. You see, even the fight in Ukraine and Russia, there are still delegates of Ukraine in Russia. Ukraine still has embassy in Russia, even though they might have told their people to vacate because somebody can be moving mad. My point is they still have an embassy there and the members of that embassy are not controlled by the economy of the country in which they are saying. You see, people that work in American embassy, they are not controlled by Nigerian economy. It's even better now that they want to move them close to the ocean. So if they just go, go they have entered the water. And you will hear that if there is war, they will tell you run to your embassy, right? Why? Because according to the law of the land, your embassy is not, even though it's domiciled in a country, it's not that country. Your embassy is a representative of the country you are coming from. So let's say this is Nigerian embassy in the US. That place is Nigeria. Right? You are God's embassy on earth. So when you are walking, you are heaven's embassy. Imagine heaven's embassy, and the devil is playing games. You go to the front of the US Embassy and let your car break down. You do not even have any evil intention, just by mistake. Your battery just fail. The the Nigeria self will fail you there. Because the way they will first handle you, you have to quickly explain yourself that I don't mean any harm. It's just a force of nature. And that's because of what they stand for and what they signify. You are. I want you to help me tell your neighbor. You are God's embassy on earth. You have power to bring to bear on earth everything that is in heaven. That's what you and I have. We have exosia. We have power. Romans 5 verse 7. You and I are able to reign on this earth as king. It says that we now reign on earth as a king. Ask your neighbor, are you living as a king? And it's not just about money in your pocket. You and I now have ability. We are free from poverty and sicknesses and diseases. Romans 2 verses 8 and 9 says that he took on our poverty. Isaiah 53 verses 5 says that by his stripes we are healed. And I think that the most important gift that Easter gives us is that you and I now have the Holy Spirit. You and I have the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit that comes with gifts. That comes with gifts that you and I need to begin to utilize. you and I now have the Holy Spirit. So how do we appropriate? Now this list that I just reeled at is not endless, right? There's a lot more, but these are just some that you can pay attention to. So how do you and I appropriate these benefits? The first thing is in Romans 10.10. 10, you and I accept it for what it is. It's a gift that you have to accept. Romans 10.10 10 says that with the heart man believes and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You and I accept that gift. And the second thing that you and I need to do is that you and I need to walk that gift and begin to live intentionally for Christ. That's in 2 Corinthians 5 verses 14 and 15. This gift of Easter is a gift that has tremendous benefits. It's not the benefits that we are waiting to get to heaven to utilize. You see, I hear a lot of Christians say I just want to go to heaven. There are more gifts than going to heaven. In fact, I know even staying in heaven. You know, you are coming back to earth. Uh-huh. But there are much more gifts than just for your name to be written in the book of life. Oh, that's oh my that's small. If that was all, the moment you confess Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you might as well go home because you've done it. You've passed. So God is still keeping you here on earth to show himself to show how good he is to show how gracious and merciful and powerful he is to the world are you and i ready to partner with him i say if there's any power you want to show your world this world you can show through me if there's any mercy if there's any grace if there's any blessing if there's any privilege that you want to show this world i want to partner with you if there's any ambassador of a country that goes to another country and refuses to defend the integrity and name of the country that has sent him they will call him back home have you watched the ambassador of Russia at the UN council when every other person is saying the war needs to stop the way that guy used to talk even me I used to wonder was living inside of him say no we are not going to stop we will continue with a very straight face because he knows he is not bound by their terms he is bound by the terms of Russia aka Putin so you all can walk left for all he cares he will maintain his rights you and I are ambassadors of heaven so regardless of the standards of the world regardless of what the world is saying we maintain the standard of heaven and we bring heaven to bear on earth But how do you maintain a standard of a country that you are not in touch with? How do you maintain a standard of a country you are not in relationship with? With all heads bowed and all eyes shut. You know that you don't have a relationship. You don't have a connection with this embassy. You know you you have lost connection with this embassy. Between you and God. And you're saying, I want to connect back to the embassy of heaven. I've tried to do it in my strength maybe, and you know it's not been working. But you have been reminded because you know that you are an ambassador of heaven and you are what you want to reconnect to your embassy. If that's what you're saying, I want you to raise your hands above your head as we say a quick prayer. If you're raising your hand above your head, I can see some hands. Can you rise up on your feet? All eyes shut, all heads still bowed. If you want to make, connect with your embassy, please rise up on your feet as we say a prayer. It's about, it's between you and your embassy. God bless you. You know you have disconnected with your embassy. You know that you are not living on this earth as an ambassador of heaven. And you're saying, I want to reconnect with God. We're going to give you one more minute to rise up on your feet as we say a quick prayer. Come on and walk on the waters with me. we thank you God bless you those of you standing say after me say Lord Jesus I accept you as my Lord and Savior I ask for the grace to live a life that will be pleasing unto you I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord and my Savior and from today I choose to live for you in Jesus name according to the confession of your faith God bless you and God bring you into the beloved. We ask that God keep you, God sustain you, and God give you the grace to live a life that will be pleasing unto him in Jesus' name. My sister and my brother, if you just turn, see the, the guy with his hand up. Please just go go with him. He'll keep you just for a minute. Please give them a round of applause as they go. Hallelujah. So for every one of us that is already connected to the embassy, we are in touch. This is just to encourage us to live intentionally as the embassy will want us to live and I believe that God will give us grace in Jesus' name. So today we're going to be taking the communion. Now why do we take the communion? We are reminding ourselves that Easter is Christ bearing our own sin and we taking the life the victory, the freedom, the blessing that comes with that sacrifice. So as you take that cup and you take that bread, you are just reminding yourself and reconnecting yourself to Christ and to the sacrifice that he has wrought. Hallelujah. Um, Choir will give us a song as they share the element. Don't open it yet. We will do that together. Just hold the element as we take the command. Jesus
0: Something special
1: Some declarations just claiming reminding yourself prophesying and claiming everything that the death and the resurrection of Christ has come to do so I want you to open your mind and you know like why I said when they were introducing their song begin to declare the blessings of God begin to declare the healing of God over yourself that as you take the bread and the cup you are reminded that Christ was bruised for your iniquity he was wounded for your transgressions the chastisement of your peace was laid upon him that means you have peace like a river depression has no hold over you anxiety worry fear insomnia has no hold over you in the name of Jesus and that by the stripes of Jesus you are healed I want you to claim your healing that you are healed of every illness every sickness every disease as long as he has a name at the mention of the name of Jesus it will bow so begin to claim your healing in Christ Jesus. Be clean to claim your victory. Victory over sin. Victory over sicknesses victory over poverty, victory over any form of limitation. Christ said it is finished. So to everything that is not of God in your life, we serve it an eviction notice uh, that it is finished in the name of Jesus. Uh, and we walk, you walk uh, in the finished walk of Christ. Uh, you walk in the victory that Christ has wrought for you in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for this victory. We thank you for the blessings. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may take the bread and the cup. Amen. God bless you.
0: Thank you for listening to this message. For more information, please visit www.vchurch316.org. God bless you.